the homily for Monday, Thursday. The epistle is taken from the Apostle St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brethren, when you come therefore together into one place, it is not now to eat the Lord's Supper, for every one taketh before his own supper to eat, and one indeed is hungry, and another is drunk. What, have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and put them to shame that have not? What shall I say to you? Do I praise you? In these I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and giving thanks, broke, and saith, Take ye, and eat, this is my body, which shall be delivered for you. This do for the commemoration of me. In like manner also the chalice, after he had supped, saying, The chalice is the New Testament in my blood. These do ye as often as you shall drink for the commemoration of me. For as often as you shall eat this bread and drink the chalice, you shall show the death of the Lord until he come. Therefore whosoever shall eat this bread or drink the chalice of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man prove himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of the chalice. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. Therefore are there many infirm and weak among you, and many sleep. But if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But whilst we are judged, we are chastised by the Lord, that we be not condemned with this world. The gospel is the, the continuation of the gospel according to St. John. Before the festival day of the Pasch, Jesus, knowing that his hour was come, that he should pass out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And when supper was done, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon the Iscariot, to betray him, knowing that the Father hath given him all things into his hands, and that he came from God and goeth to God, he riseth from supper, and layeth aside his garments, and having taken a towel, girded himself. After that he putteth water into a basin, and began to wash the feet of the disciples, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. He cometh therefore to Simon Peter, and Peter saith to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith to him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou shalt have no part with me. Simon Peter saith to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not but to wash his feet, but is clean holy. And you are clean, but not all. For he knew who he was that would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Then after he had washed their feet and taken his garments, being set down again, he, saith, he said to them, Know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then I, being your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that as I have done to you, so you do also. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends, today we celebrate 
the feast day, the day where our Lord gave us four precious gifts, the most greatest things that He has given to the Church. First, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Second, His presence in the Most Holy Sacrament. Third, the priesthood. And fourth, His new commandment, the Mandatum Novum, to love one another. And my friends, first, before we meditate on each one of these gifts, I would like to speak briefly of the things that went through the heart of our Lord. Because our Lord knew that he was about to be crucified. He knew that he was about to die. He knew that after his death, he would not be able to remain here in the world. The world would not be worthy of him. And so our Lord would have to depart. He would have to, to remove from us his visible presence. He knew these things. At the same time, our Lord knew perfectly well that we needed him. He knew that we could do nothing with him. He said it himself on the Last Supper. He knew that without him, we were unable to walk, unable to move, unable to defend ourselves, that we would starve spiritually, that we would be defenseless against our enemies. He knew that we were like babies and we needed our Lord as a baby needs a mother. And our Lord had the heart of a mother, the heart of a good father. And so he would not leave us alone. He said it himself, he would not leave us orphans. And he willed, therefore, to remain with us. But he remained with us, not in one way alone, not even in two ways alone. He remained with us in three different ways. In three different acts of presence, you could say. As if we had three Christs to go to, or rather, three different ways to go to Christ. And it is of these three presences of Christ that I would like to speak to you, my friends. The first presence of our Lord is the obvious one. The presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. You know that our Lord on this last night, after he had supped with his disciples, he took the bread in his hands. And he saith, Take ye all and eat. For this is my body. And at the moment our Lord said that, the bread was no longer there. What was there was now the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. He did a miracle then that we would have thought impossible, that philosophers would have thought impossible. Because in there, in that blessed sacrament, there were united the greatest of the spiritual nature, our Lord Jesus Christ, as God, and the greatest also of the material which was our Lord Jesus Christ as man. He was uniting the spiritual with the material so that when you would come and receive communion, you would receive spiritual benefits by something that had the appearance of the material, the appearance of bread. Now, my dear friends, this is a miracle that you witness every day. This is a miracle that happens in almost every part of the world. And because it is so frequent, because you see it so frequently, it is easy for you to forget how great it is. But think for a moment here and reflect that it takes you only a few steps and to kneel down here in the communion rail. And then what happens when the priest comes and puts the host in your mouth? What is it that is happening there? My friends, do you know what happens? 
It is God himself that is coming to you. God, the immense, the infinite, the creator of all the universe, that all the universe could not contain, that the angels tremble in his presence. God, who with his infinite presence and his power would make everything consumed into fire, this is the God that comes to you and touches your soul and touches your body. And not only that, he who is not contained by the universe comes into you that are his creature, into your body and into your soul. It is a miracle, and a miracle that takes place every single day in front of you. My dear friends, this is the, the first presence of Christ. But our Lord knew that this miracle could only be worked by him, and he wanted to leave it for the future. He wanted to leave it for future generations, for you that live in these years and in this age. But how would he do that when only he could do the miracle? Well, my friends, here is when our Lord performed the second miracle of this night. When he left himself in man, he made replicas of him. The moment where our Lord decided that he would put himself in another man so that this other man could perform the same miracles that our Lord performed, that they could forgive sins, that they could also confect the Blessed Sacrament, that they could bring people to heaven. And it is another form, you could say, it is almost analogous to the transubstantiation. Because it was a great miracle for our Lord to put his sanctity, his holiness, his very substance under the appearance of bread. It is also a miracle that our Lord takes a sinner man, an ignorant man, a man filled with flaws, and puts in him his power and his ministry. My friends, just like with the Holy Eucharist, we can forget how great this miracle is. And this is something that I do often, and I don't know if I don't know if it's helpful to you, I hope it is. But often our faith is dormant. Often we don't think as we should of our faith. We don't act accordingly to what we say that we believe. And so what I'd like to do is take examples from our daily world, from daily lives, base examples if you will, but to make us understand how we should react to our faith, how we should uh, really see things in the eyes of our faith. And so today, let me give you these examples. Imagine for a moment that there was a man and that this man, by snapping his fingers, he could make a million dollars appear to you. He snaps his fingers and a million dollars appears. And he can give them to you every time. My friends, how would you love this man? How would you look, look for him and seek him out? How close would you keep him to you? You would try to be his friends, wouldn't you? But my friend, the priest, by saying the words during the Mass, he doesn't make a million dollars appear. He makes the presence of God himself appear. We've said that. And it is, it is repugnant for us to consider, to even, to even consider comparing one million dollars with our God, but again, this is what the priest gives you in every Mass. He says the words, 
and God comes and he gives you God every single day if you will take him. It is Jesus Christ giving you this treasure. Let me give you another example. Imagine that you have a man and that this man by his mere words could open for you any resort, any hotel, any paradise that you wanted here on earth, any venue that you wanted to go to this desert island somewhere and you can just give them a call and tell this man to give a call and this man would call and say, let him in and everything is paid for him for the whole weekend. Well, my friends, you would keep this man's phone at hand at all times. You would give him calls frequently. You would always stay close to him. Try to be, again, try to be close to him and take advantage of his friendship. Well, my friends, what... How should we act with our faith when we know that the priest, with a few words, can open for us not a hotel, not a venue, not a casino, but heaven, the paradise of paradises, a place of eternal rewards, of eternal joys, a place where you will enjoy not for a weekend or two, but for all eternity. And my friends, what does he need to do to open this place for you? All he needs to do is say the words, to you and you being well disposed and the heaven heaven is open for you how great this is my dear friends and how great the power that god gives to this man no one else has that power not a president not a general not a great artist that makes millions of dollars all of those people are useless to you in this sense only this little tiny man with his black cassock he is the only one that can open heaven for you by uttering words and with his intention. Let me give you one last example, my dear friends. Imagine now that there is a man that again by snapping his fingers can restore you to life. How many times you die, he will restore you to life. If you're in a crash, if you have a heart attack, if you fell from the stairs, if you get cancer, any other things and you die and all they have to do is call this man and this man comes over to you. He says a few words, snaps his fingers, you come back to life. And the next time that you die, he does the same. You die and he comes and snaps his fingers and you're back to life. My friends, how close you would keep to this man? How much would you love him? If you were thinking of moving, you would never think of moving away from this man. You would try to be as close as possible to have him as available as possible. And my dear Christian soul, what happens when the priest hears your confession and says the words of absolution? Are you not death when you go to confession spiritually in a much worse death too? And what does it take for him to forgive you? Only his words. And how many times does he do that? Hundreds of times perhaps? What a great miracle it is. Why do we not appreciate it as much as if it was the material? Why is our faith so dormant with this gift that our Lord has given us? But it is, my dear friends, even if our faith doesn't capture it as it should, it is a great gift. What a great wonder, my dear friend, that in a frail man, a man just like you, a man that perhaps is inferior to you in many ways, a man that perhaps you find unintelligent at times, or rude, or uncouth, or unable to speak well, a man that you see committing faults, that you see him get angry, that you see him be lazy perhaps, and so many other faults and failings. And yet in this man, 
God made the miracle. God put his own power to benefit you. In the first presence of Christ, you see the appearance of bread, and yet you believe that Christ is present there. In the second presence of Christ, the one in the priest, you see the appearance of a man, a miserable man, and yet you see the power of God acting there, and you believe in that too. You might ask, what about all the failings of the priest? What about all those things that I see in him? My friend, do you know why the priest wears a black cassock? Do you know why he dresses in black? It is obviously to, to make it understood that he's death to the world. But there's another reason that I thought of. He also wears black so that you remember and you understand that the man is dead to you. That the man doesn't exist. It is not the man that you seek. This man that you see here, he has a name of a man, yes, and you address him in his name of a man, yes, but this man is dead. He has died to the world long ago. And inasmuch as he gets out of that blackness, inasmuch as he gets out of that death, he is not a priest. But inasmuch as he remains in his blackness, and he remains in that forgetfulness, and he remains dead to you and to the world, so that you don't see the man, so that the man is dead to you, but what you see is Christ, and you, what you receive from him is Christ, inasmuch he is a priest. The man is dead to you. When you seek him out, when you look for his advice, when you hear his corrections, when you listen to his sermons, when he gives you the sacraments, the man is dead and it's Jesus Christ giving you advice, giving you correction, telling, speaking to you in the sermons, giving you the sacraments. It is the second presence of Christ. My dear friends, I must end the sermon, but I will not end it without speaking of the third presence that our Lord has given us. And this presence, my dear friends, he gave us through his commandment, his new commandment. When he said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How is this a third presence of Christ? Because, my friends, when you love another person, you become Christ to that person. And you love that other person because you see Christ in them. And so, my dear friends, here in the church today, all of us Catholics that are sharing in the same communion, in the same faith, we are all Christs to each other. And we are beneficial to one another because of Christ. And every good action that we do, it is because Christ dwells on us. And so, my dear friends, today that our Lord washes our feet, that our Lord humbles himself, that he has given us, to, he has given himself to us in such a great way that he gave himself not once or twice, but three times. My dear friends, on this night, let us all renew our resolution to love one another with a tender love, with a charitable heart. I bid you, and I don't bid you, I command you, as our Lord has commanded us, that you love your neighbor, that you forgive everything that they have done to you, that from now on you're willing to be beneficial to them, to forgive their sins, to forgive their aggressions, their insults, perhaps their bad character, the bad things that they have done, the injuries that they have made, 
to forgive them all. Because our Lord washed our feet to show us that he was forgiving us and therefore we ought to forgive. That he made himself our slave so that we would become the slaves of others. That he loved us so that we would love one another. My dear friends, if you do this, you will find Christ in his third presence. And this should be the end, the fruit of today's Mass. That we come out of this Mass knowing, first of all, that God has loved us to the extreme and that we ought to love one another. For this, as St. John would say in his Gospel, this is the commandment of the Lord. And if you do this, this suffices. And he has given us an example that as he did, we also go and do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.